This week, Carvana offers $3.3 billion of unsecured notes to fund acquisition. Reorg analyzes proposed must Twitter acquisition and publishes Talon Waterfall model. First Circuit affirms Puerto Rico confirmation order. Hello and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where we bring you the latest developments in high-yield distressed debt and bankruptcy. I'm David Zubkis. This week, we'll be taking a brief recess from our weekly deep dive segment, but we'll be back next week with more premium content. It's Friday, April 29th. Reorg launched cover on Twitter this week, analyzing the proposed acquisition of Twitter by Elon Musk. In total, the transaction contemplates $12.5 billion of new debt incurred by Twitter, which would replace $5.3 billion of current debt. In addition to the debt, Musk has secured $33.5 billion of other funding, including a $12.5 billion margin loan using his ownership of Tesla equity as collateral. That loan, however, would not be an obligation of Twitter following the proposed transaction. The agreement announced by Twitter on Monday would result in Musk acquiring the company in an all-cash transaction in which existing stockholders receive $54.20 per share. In addition, the merger would likely result in Twitter's existing debt being taken out, in some cases including make-hold payments. Financing for the acquisition includes an undrawn $500 million secured revolver, a $6.5 billion secured term loan facility, a $3 billion secured increasing rate bridge loan, a $3 billion unsecured increasing rate bridge loan, a $12.5 billion margin loan, and a $21 billion equity commitment. Reorg's full in-depth analysis of the proposed Twitter transaction can be found on reorg.com. Please reach out to a Reorg representative for further details. Reorg published a waterfall model for Talon Energy this week that projects potential returns to unsecured claimants. The analysis also examines the benefits to Talon's 2022 cash flow from filing for Chapter 11. Talon has been beset by liquidity issues stemming from collateral calls in its hedge book, and sources have told Reorg that dip financing packages have been presented to the company. Reorg's published analysis includes an estimate of the impact that ongoing increases in PGM power prices have had on the company's hedge book and an estimate of the offsetting increase in revenue and cash flow as a result of higher power prices. Separately, Talon Energy has failed to file fourth quarter financials 100 days from the end of the quarter, according to sources. The merchant generator's lenders, however, have not called a default, the sources added. To the extent Talon's lenders or note holders do not deliver a notice of default stemming from the company's failure to timely deliver its financials, an event of default cannot be triggered for Talon's failure to deliver its financials. Reorg's full in-depth analysis of Talon can be found on reorg.com. Please reach out to a Reorg representative for further details. Carvana, a Phoenix, Arizona-based retailer describes itself as the leading e-commerce platform for buying and selling cars, tapped the debt capital markets for $3.275 billion this week to support its acquisition of Odessa U.S., an auto auctioneer. The company initially marketed $1 billion of perpetual preferred stock and $2.275 billion of eight-year senior notes. The preferreds were later dropped and the $1 billion shifted to the bonds. The offering came as the company's EBITDA margin fell to negative 11.6% in the first quarter from negative 1.3% in the year-ago period. External internal factors impacted our financial results, the company said in the offering memorandum. Some of these impacted the used vehicle industry as a whole, for example, the Omicron variant, used vehicle prices, interest rates, and other macroeconomic factors, and others were more specific to Carvana, for example, reconditioning logistics network disruptions. According to an investor presentation, the disruption to Carvana's logistics network from Omicron and severe weather in the first quarter resulted in extended delivery times and elevated rescheduling and cancellation rates, while the higher interest rates and widening credit spreads impacted gross profit per unit, given the lag between when a loan is offered to a customer and when the loan is sold and securitized. 
Sources say that the company's business model, whereby customers can research and identify a vehicle, inspect it using its patented 360-degree vehicle imaging technology, obtain financing and warranty coverage, purchase the vehicle, and schedule delivery or pickup off the desktop or mobile devices, offers no operating advantages over traditional auto dealers. Sources also said that the new notes offer limited upside, being whispered at a yield some 75 basis points wider than the company's existing 4.875% 2029 notes, which are currently bid at 77 for a yield of 9.26%. On Tuesday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the First Circuit issued an opinion affirming Judge Laura Taylor Swain's order confirming the Commonwealth's plan of adjustment in connection with the Teachers Association's appeal. The First Circuit rejects the Teachers Association's lead argument that the Commonwealth's legislature did not revoke the statutes providing for the continued accrual of defined pension benefits with cost-of-living adjustments as they existed prior to the plan's March 15 effective date by noting that the plan of adjustment deemed these statutes preempted to the extent they conflicted with PROMESA. The opinion underlines that Judge Swain concluded that the relevant statutes conflicted with PROMESA to the extent they are inconsistent with the discharge of claims and treatment provided for pension benefits and payments by the plan and would undermine the restructuring contemplated by the plan. The Teachers Association's preemption arguments also fail because compliance with the Commonwealth laws mandating future defined benefit plans and COLAs would, quote, plainly frustrate the purpose of PROMESA according to the ruling. The opinion also disagrees with the Teachers Association's assertion that the preemptive effect of the plan is akin to enacting new Commonwealth law through the plan. The court states that the plan does not amend or replace any law, but instead treats pensioners' claims through a combination of rejection, assumption of new obligations as creatures of the plan, and a preemption of only inconsistent components of Commonwealth laws. On Monday, Judge Swain extended the deadline for the PROMESA Oversight Board to indicate its proposed path forward for the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority's Title III case to June 1st for May 2nd. Consistent with the court's prior directive, by June 1st, the board must file either a plan of adjustment, a term sheet for a plan of adjustment, a litigation schedule, or a declaration memorandum of law showing cause as to why the judge should not consider dismissal of PREPA's Title III case. The Permess Oversight Board had requested the extension, saying the court-appointed mediation team asked for the additional time. Top Red Stories this week included Court Opinion Review, InfoWars Test the Bankruptcy Tort Settlement System, Voting, Support, and Claims Resolution in BSA, A Most Unusual Day in GWG Holdings, SunGuard Returns for a Longer Stay in Chapter 11. Citibank again seeks dismissal of $343 million Madoff fraudulent transfer suit, takes aim at Ponzi scheme presumption. Litigation coverage, Siva Apollo argued district court correctly found former employees' fiduciary duty claims are barred, reject relitigation attempt. Honks Inc. files Chapter 11 in the Southern District of Texas. Hess Corp. owns 100% of debtors' equity. Now here's Kathy from Los Angeles with the week ahead. Hello, this is Kathy Ta from Los Angeles. Today is Friday, April 29th, and here's the week ahead. On Monday, May 2nd, the Honix debtor will be in court to seek first-day relief in its recently filed Chapter 11 case aimed at addressing asbestos-related liabilities. The debtor is a defendant in approximately 580 cases alleging asbestos and other toxic substances at an oil refinery in St. Croix and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Tuesday, May 3rd, is a busy day for court matters. First, in Max's Energy, the Third Circuit will hear oral argument in YPF's direct appeal of the bankruptcy court's order denying its motion to disqualify law firm White & Case from representing its litigation adversary, the Maxis Liquidating Trust. The issue on appeal involves the parameters and sufficiency of an ethical screen to resolve conflicts. The LADAM Airlines debtors will also be in court that day to seek approval of a supplemental disclosure statement in connection with their sixth revised plan of reorganization. As part of the proposed confirmation timeline, the debtors will ask for a two-day confirmation hearing starting on May 17th. Tuesday, we'll also see the Alto Maipo debtors in court. The debtors will seek to assume a contract with and enforce automatic stay against Comunidad de Aguas Canal El Manzano. 
Manzano, a member of the UCC and a member of an ad hoc group of tort claimants, has asserted $1 billion in water rights-related tort claims and contract claims against the debtors, which are disputed. On Wednesday, May 4th, there will be an omnibus hearing in the Johnson & Johnson subsidiary LTL Management Texas two-step Chapter 11 case. The debtors will ask for a four-month extension of its exclusive periods to file and solicit votes for a Chapter 11 plan through September 9th and November 8th, respectively, to facilitate mediation with present and future tall claimants. The composition of the reconstituted original tall claimants committee is also up for hearing. The two separate committees of mesothelioma claimants and ovarian cancer claimants were disbanded effective two weeks ago on Tuesday, April 12th. The Stonewood Capital Debtors Second Amendment Plan will be up for confirmation on Thursday, April 5th, with the unanimous support of all voting classes and just one objection from the U.S. trustee. The U.S. trustee says the plan's third-party releases are impermissible. The debtors' plan is the culmination of months-long efforts between the debtors and key stakeholders to resolve various intercreditor issues. It will be a heavy week of earnings. We will see results from Avis Budget and Transocean on Monday, May 2nd, followed on Tuesday, May 3rd by Valaris and Gulfport Energy. On Wednesday, May 4th, Sinclair Broadcast, Lumen Technologies, and CoreCivic will report their earnings, with Pennsylvania Real Estate Investment and Royal Caribbean on Thursday, May 5th. Endo International, Telesat, and Frontier Communications will close out the week with earnings to be released on Friday, May 6th. For all earnings, dates, and times, please see our weekly calendar. That's it for me as we enjoyed this last Friday in April, which marks the 150th anniversary of National Arbor Day, established in 1872. That was the same year that Yellowstone National Park became the world's first national park. Take some time to celebrate Arbor Day and nature in general by planting a tree or going for a hike this weekend. Back to you in New York. Thank you again for listening to this REARG Weekly Review. Find all our podcasts on the REARG.com webinars and podcast page, as well as Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Amazon. Hope your families are healthy and safe. Have a great weekend and see you next Friday.